um, came from last week when we had Tony McLennan here from Bible League. And for those that were here, you would recall when the first uh, clip that he showed uh, in which the Chinese Christians were receiving their first Bibles. And just to observe that, just to see it, it kind of, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm sure it, it did as well as it did me. It just had a profound impact just to see the response and the reaction of them to, you know, the Word of God is scarce and yet now they have in their hand a Bible and you could see the, the, they were overawed, they were filled with joy, they were just, they were so reverent and thankful and grateful, just the fact that they, they had a Bible. You see, we can't really relate to that, can we? We can observe it as we did and, and be impacted by it, but we really can't relate to that because we just need to go down to the shop and we've got... I mean, there's multitudes. You can pick which one. I mean, there's that many. There's, a, there's, there's just so many to choose from. But there was something profound about that little presentation. No doubt he knew that. It was deliberate. That's why I showed it. But it kind of did... In, 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 uh, inspire me to preach and to minister what I want to do this morning and so uh, what I preach comes from a heart, amen, that is burdened, a heart that is burdened in relation to uh, the Word of God and how it should apply to our lives and the value that needs to be, must be and should be put upon the Word of God in our lives and I trust for the most part that is the case. But I just want to uh, speak about a minister in relation to this because there is a saying that says uh, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Now that, in a, in, in a way, that is true. That's not always true and, and uh, for us as Christians we have to be mindful of this because it can easily happen. But nevertheless, the hum, human nature is such that familiarity can breed a contempt without us even realising it. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we are in this nation saturated with Bibles and yet for us, uh, how often, how, what value do we put on the Bible? Uh, what, what emphasis? How much does it mean to us? And so I want us just to ponder those thoughts as we ask these questions this morning because I'm going to address it and I pray um, that God would speak to us because the Bible is the most important book in the world. Can you say amen? amen. We're talking about the Word of God. And so what value do we put on the Bible what, what does it have the same value now as it did when you first met the Lord or when you first picked up the Bible to read it for the first time? And I, I, I trust, amen, it does. Uh, and, and thank God for that. But, be, but that's the reality. I remember before I was saved, my life had nothing to do with the Bible. I never even knew what the Bible was. I didn't even grow up in a religious home. I, God wasn't even mentioned. And at the age of 18, when I was first introduced to the Bible and I picked it up, all I tell you, it, was, it gripped. It gripped my soul and I began to uh, get my hands on the Bible and I read 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 and all of a sudden, from having nothing to do whatsoever with the Bible, now my life was utterly immense. 
uh, 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 in, immersed sorry, in the Bible and literally everything I was doing, every decision I was making, every move I was taking was centred around what the Bible said and what the Bible revealed. That's how it should be, isn't it? You see, I brought with me this morning to make the emphasis, it doesn't come out, it actually sits on the shelf, but this was my first Bible. That I, that I, and I, I, I can't, I don't use it because it's literally, it's got sticky tape in it, its pages are falling out, I won't put it that way because it'll fall apart. But the bonded leather is no longer bonded. <laughs> Thank God you've got me a genuine leather. <laughs> That's going to last me a long time, amen. But the bonded leather, it wears out. But I tell you, this Bible was red. It's got the, the, the electrical tape, you know, uh, the PVC, it's, even that's even going off. But you see, this Bible was read over and over. I've got so much markings in here. I've got writings, I've got highlights. I've, uh, it's, it's all in there. And, and I, I, sh- I show you this to, as a testimony because that's the Word of God. That was the significance. That was the importance that the Word of God for me in my life at that moment of time when God revealed Himself to me, that's the, how much it meant to me. And my life was immersed in the Bible. I, I, I read it at every opportunity. And so, <coughs> again, I know we get older in the Lord and we replace our Bibles and all those things, but let me ask you, how's your Bible? I'm sure many of us have got references to this, something similar, where we, when we first got saved, our first Bible, and we've marked it up, we've, you know, we've devoured it, it's, it's not usable so much, but it's sentimental and sits there and, um, because it has ref, uh, significance and reference. But you see, I want to consider our attitude to the Bible this morning. I want us to think and I want us to ponder this and I, I, what I preach um, to us this morning, like I said, it comes from a heart that is burdened, a heart that uh, has, is observing, a heart that is, is heavy, a heart that is pondering and praying over these particular issues and even in some conversations with brethren over time uh, as well as I'll share in, throughout the sermon but just the nature is what does the Bible mean to you? What does it mean to you? Let's just think about that because, you see, how do you view it? Because this is a critical question because if we fail to read the Bible, if we fail to to read the Word of God, let me say this, we are in danger, church. Sometimes we don't even realise this. We don't know it because we just, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. We're not in tune. And so we think we can just neglect the Bible and not read it and somehow it's not going to have an impact on our lives doesn't work like that. We have to be moored to this book. We have to be glued to it. We have to be attached to it because if we drift away from the word, we drift away from the Lord, there will be consequences that will ultimately come forth in our lives because if we're not sowing the word of God into our lives, we'll be sowing something else and we will reap a harvest. And so uh, the thing is, if we neglect the Word of God and if we're not reading the Word of God, then it will somehow manifest in our lives and we will be candidates for deception, self-deception. Actually, people are deceived and they don't even know it. And we can go through the religious talk, we can go through the religious uh, calisthenics, uh, but my question this morning is, are you reading your Bible? What does the Word of God mean to you? 
because God was lamenting the, the spiritual condition of Israel and in the, uh, the prophet Hosea in chapter 4 verse 6 God said these words, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. You see, because they had a lack of knowledge of God's word, the consequence of that was playing out in their lives and they thought everything was hunky-dory. They thought it was all good and proper and yet God's assessment is that my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. They don't know me and they don't know the word. The Bible also says in um, uh, Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Where there's no widespread revelation of God, the people perish. My people perish for a lack of knowledge when you don't understand the word of God, when you have not a revelation of God's word, when you're not applying it to your lives, when you're not seeking God and making sure that you're abiding in the word and by the word, you are in danger. You're in danger. And so what's also interesting is in Hosea where God says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God says these words in verse 6. He says because you have rejected knowledge. You see this issue is not something that's haphazard. I understand we can all at times neglect our Bibles. We've all done it. And so you know, there can be a haphazardness that can be associated with that. That's fair enough. But you see, over the longevity of time where this attitude persists, where, persists, where this habit kicks in, God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. You see, it's not enough to say, well, I just don't have the time. It's not enough just to consider these things and say, well, look, I've just, I just, it's just something that hasn't happened. But, you know, I love the Lord. Well, how can you love the Lord and not read his word? It's a contradiction. If you love me, obey, keep my commandments. You see, these are the things that we find in scripture and yet um, God sees this as a rejection of him because you have rejected knowledge. And so it's not haphazard, it's a deliberate choice that we make. And so God help us this morning and I want to preach on uh, your treasure or my treasure from Job chapter 23 and I want to look at our appetite for the word of God. Job chapter 23. I've chosen this particular text because there's many I could have referred to but there's something here about Job's words that capture the essence and the spirit of what we want to talk about this morning. Let me get there myself. Job 23, verse, we'll start at verse 11. Verse 11, chapter 23, Job says, My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Father, I pray, speak to us this morning, Lord. Let the weight, Lord, of this message this morning settle upon our hearts, God. 
that we would, Lord, if necessary, be convicted, Lord, but we would be stirred and encouraged and challenged in our own hearts and lives. God, we have ears to hear this morning what the Spirit of God would speak. Minister, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, Job, in verse 11, he says, My foot has held fast to his steps. See, there's a deliberate act, uh, an effort that Job has, is identifying here. He says, I have kept the way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. And the reason for this is he says in verse 12, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. See, this is a profound statement again because we love food. Can you say amen? What an analogy. We love food. Let's think, I mean, how much of our time in life is taken up in eating food? Preparing food, eating food and cleaning up after food. I mean, the day consists and yet uh, in light of the fact of how much we love food and its flavours and its tastes and all that's associated with it, uh, Job says, I have treasured your words more than my necessary food. Because we understand that eating uh, uh, is a fundamental uh, aspect of life to sustain life. But the word of God is much more important. Amen? Jesus himself said, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that is really the disposition of heart that we must have. That's the understanding like Job, I have treasured your words more than my necessary food because God's word is so precious, it's so important and must be to our lives. And the word that Job uses here in the Hebrew, this word treasure is an interesting one because it speaks and means to hoard or to, um, to hoard, to protect, to lurk unfavourably in a sense. So in a sense, this book means so much, I'm going to hoard it, I'm going to protect it, this is my Bible. Amen. How many of you, have you ever, ever, ever misplaced your Bible? Ever lost your Bible? I get nervous. It's my Bible. I, it's my Bible. I need my Bible. I want someone else's Bible. It's my Bible. And so Paul, uh, um, Job is saying, I have treasured your words more than my necessary food. There's something about the words that were so precious to him that he was very protective. That word means to lurk or in other words, uh, have you seen uh, uh, the magpies uh, as they protect their nests? They're lurking in an unfavourable sense. You know, get too close and they'll swoop on you. This is my Bible. (laughs) When I come to church, that's my Bible. Okay, now I I know it's a bit of a, I'm exaggerating the point here, but uh, what I'm saying is is that there must be something about our spirit that, that, that hoards the word of God. There's something, must be something in us. This is my Bible. When I go to church, where's my Bible? When I, if, if, it's, if I can't find my Bible at home, I don't want someone else's Bible. <laughs> I want my Bible. Are you like that? Because there's something about my Bible, hallelujah. And I've treasured his words more than my necessary food. And so this is, the, the, this is what Job is saying. Could you imagine those Chinese Christians in that video presentation last week? Could you picture them just giving up their Bible? 
I mean, they had waited and were, uh, were, were, were given such a precious, precious gift. I tell you, that, that Bible, they had not the Word of God. They were looking at it as if it was a foreign object. The Bible, God's Word for us. Oh, there's the Bible. Oh. You know? We just leave it around, chuck it here, chuck it there. This is the Bible. I could picture them, you know, putting it away someplace, storing it in the best place, making sure that it doesn't get lost, no one's going to go near it. That's my Bible. They'll protect it with their life, for their lives, at the course of their life. And it captures something of the essence of what we're talking about this morning. See, Jesus also said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that's why Job can say, I've treasured, He's, uh, the, the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is profound. That's why uh, you, you know a tree by its fruit. Where you devote your affections, where you devote your time. Uh, obviously, we're living in the world, we've got a function, but I tell you what, uh, if we're neglecting the word, if we're failing to read the word, then we have to ask ourselves, where's our treasure? Where's our treasure? What is your treasure? Let me illustrate something this morning to make it appropriate. This is people's treasure. You know what that is? It's not an iPhone. (laughs) But it's a mobile phone, a smartphone. And people's lives revolve around these things. Do you know that? I've observed the modern generation. I mean, I like them too. They're very useful. But I've seen the way that they capture the minds and the lives of people, especially the youth. And it's alarming and it's scary. And this has become people's treasure. They'll sit up, whether it's a game, whether it's some social media. <laughs> Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, you, know, I'm, you know I'm right. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, I can't believe it. To a point, it's unhealthy. It's not right. It's it's very concerning. And yet, where's the Bible? What Bible? Where's your treasure? This is an incidental. It serves a purpose and it serves a function, but I tell you what, nothing's more important than this. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's your Bible? (laughs) I'm just getting started. But I'm serious because uh, uh, this is a a real issue that relates to our generation. I found this quote I had in my file. It says, Ever wondered what would happen if we treated our Bible like we treat our mobile phone? What if we carried it around in our purses or pockets? What if we flipped through it several times a day? What if we turned back to go get it if we forgot it? What if we used it to receive messages from the text? Hmm. What if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to our kids as gifts? What if we used it when we travelled? What if we used it in the case of an emergency? There's something, this is something to make you go, hmm, where is my Bible? Oh, and one more thing. Unlike our mobile phone, we don't have to worry about our Bible being disconnected because Jesus already paid the bill. Makes you stop and think, where are my priorities? 
True? Where are my priorities? Because the truth is, church, we're living in this world. And this world is screaming out and demanding our attention. It's demanding our affection. It's, you know, technology, the, uh, the Western world, we are inundated with stuff that's clamouring all the time for our attention, our devotion, our, uh, and so uh, whether it's from TVs uh, to computers to social media to games and the list goes on and on and on. But what about the Bible? Oh, look, I've just been so busy. Really? That you're so busy you don't have time to read the word? What about our priorities? Because we always make time for the things we love. True? I can be extremely busy, but I tell you what, if there's something I want to do, I make the time to do it. It's really a matter of our priorities. It's really a matter, a question of what is our love. Because I tell you, uh, this is very, very Important, And the world is demanding our affections. And where you set your affections is where you set your will. And your will will engage and pursue those things that are most important to you. And that's why I ask you this morning, do you love, do you, like Job, treasure the words of his mouth? Because we need to this morning. And so let's consider our priorities. Because God speaks to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 and he says to Joshua as an instruction, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all, according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. See, that word meditate means to chew it over in your mind. It doesn't mean to sit there and go... It means to read it and think about it, to ponder what is being said and make an application of it to your life. Chew it over. You know what camels do? Uh, they, they regurgitate their food and they chew over it again. Now, that might sound sick, but that's what we're to do with the Word of God. Chew on it. And then, amen, regurgitate it during the day, what you read in the morning, and think about it again and chew over it in your mind. And so, see, I go, I work, I'm busy too, like you. But I can tell you, as I go about my day, my mind, when it's not engaged in other things, it's always engaged mentally in spiritual things. I'm always thinking about the Lord. I'm always, you know, my mind is engaged in those things. I'm sure it's like that for many of us that are sitting here this morning. And that's reflective of our hearts. It's it's reflective of our love for the Lord. But we need to meditate upon the Word of God. And so what is it that must happen if this is not the case for our lives? And, I, and this is where I began to think about and have been praying and pondering about a few things. I was speaking to a brother recently and he was just sharing with me his, um, his burden for his family and his children and how in light of the fact that they were even going to church, they just had no appetite for the word of God. They just weren't reading the Bible. They didn't know the, the scriptures. And, you know, and he said, why? You know, it's, it's just one of those questions. And I was just thinking about it and I said these words just came to my mind. I said, a dead person has no appetite. A dead person has no appetite. 
And I thought about that because it was like a revelation to me, you know, when I was filled with wisdom. But it was a word that came from my mouth, but as I pondered it more so, I, I began to think, you know what, this is the reality. And sometimes we try and understand the dynamics of certain things and sometimes the case may simply be that they are not spiritually born again. They're not enlightened to, to the truth. So that's why they don't have any appetite. Oh, we can go through the religious motions and we can go to church and we can do all the Christian things, but, but when it comes to reading the book, it just somehow just doesn't appeal. Why? Why? Because a dead person has no appetite. If you're going to have a, a person that is alive, it gets hungry. But if a person that is they don't have an appetite for food. So too to the, to the one who's not spiritually born again, who's not spiritually born of God, they will not have that appetite. And so you can't make them, you can't force it down their throat, amen? When they're young, you teach them the ways of the Lord, you show them, you guide them and, you, and all, instruct them in all those ways but there comes a time and we've all tried it, eat this. <laughs> and they're like, no more. Because they have to have a hunger. They have to have to have an appetite. They have to treasure the words of his mouth more than their necessary food. Am I making sense here? Yeah, okay, I think I am. You see, it wasn't until I... One of the things that brings an appetite for the word of God is life, when it humbles us. Amen? Because I grew up without God, but I tell you, I, I thought I was in my pride and arrogance as, a, a, as an unregenerate man. I, I, I very quickly, after I'd given myself over to all that the world had to offer, I hit a, dead, hit a brick wall, ran into a dead end. I, I had no answer to life. And then all of a sudden, you ponder about the deeper issues of life. And when I was introduced to the word of God, all of a sudden, it's like I had an, a hunger that was there. He hadn't showed me the Bible a year before, would have said... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, see you later, later for that. No appetite. But come to me at the right time, at the right circumstances of life. You know, they say, oh, religion's a crux for people. Why is it that they always at their lowest point? Because until you're at your lowest point, you don't have hunger. You're not hungry. You're still feeding on the carcass of the world. Until you reach a place, then all of a sudden that hunger kicks in. But not just for that instance. Also, I thought about it in relation to the Christian. You see, when we become born again, uh, uh, we have that hunger. But you see, God also works in us to maintain that hunger. Uh, I was thinking about the children of Israel when God took them out of Egypt. And the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, these words in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, God speaks to the Israelites and he says, so he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. How's that? Allowed you to hunger. And fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so it is even as Christians God teaches us and he and he 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 works in us and he sometimes allows us to hunger he sometimes allows us to go through various trials and circumstances and that our faith is tested and it produces in us even a greater hunger 
or in the process of life, maybe we've just not as uh, haven't been reading the Bible as much as we can, and all of a sudden the circumstances of life become so much, and all of a sudden our hunger's back again. And so he, God allows us to hunger to teach us what's most important, that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I tell you what, manna is like nothing else, and the manna of God's word is sufficient. Amen? You don't have to have all the other nonsense. You know, people feed their minds in this world, you know, the woman's weekly. Hmm. What gossip is in there today? Feed your mind on that. I know. <laughs> Oh, Joe, I'm going to leave no stone unturned. Well, what's the latest, you know, what's the latest post? What's the latest gossip going around? Like, feed, the, feed yourself on the manna from heaven. The manna from heaven. Hallelujah. And you'll find that men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, when you're hungry, you want to eat. You will willingly eat. And so God has to put a hunger in us. And he has to allow us to sometimes get to that place where all of a sudden we want him. We want his word. So we have to have an appetite. So in saying that, the second thing I wanted to consider is you have to have a love for the Lord. Amen? You have to have a love. Love is the most powerful motivating force. Love. We love God. That's why I want, you know, you don't, we don't do in the Christian life, it's not because we have to. His commandments are not burdensome, the Bible says, because we love him. Love has been perfected in, in us uh, and, uh, and so we, it's the motivating force of our lives is love and love is never burdensome, is it? Love does, uh, and so love motivates us. Love is a motivating force. Uh, and so where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And we have the issue of our heart, we have the issue of our love, we have the issue of our affections. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. This is speaking to the Christian because we can still be carnal and earthly and, uh, and, and walk according to the natural man without, and to the neglect of the spiritual man. The Bible says uh, we were raised with Christ. We're seated uh, in heavenly places. We're spiritually being made alive in Christ uh, and therefore set your mind on things above. Your life is hidden with Christ. If you're pursuing the world and all that the world has to offer, you'll be drawn away from this book, the Word of God. You see, this, like I said to you before, this is no ordinary book, church. This is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is living. It's living. And it's powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword. But the fact that it's alive, this is no ordinary book. I remember uh, 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 when I first was exposed to this book and reading these words, it was like I was reading another language. It's like it was words that were not from this planet because you'd read about Christ and you hear his words. And that's why Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, in John 6, uh, 63, he says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. 
There is something profound. This is not just a book with ordinary words. This is the Word of God. And the Word of God is living. It's alive. And when we partake of the Word, we are feeding ourselves spiritually. The spiritual man is being fed. And then, as you, and this is why, this is what leads to a transformation in your life. This is what leads to you to live the life that God would have you live. See, God's Word is truth. Again in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Freedom. You see, that's the lie. This is the lie from the world, church. You think that by living your life outside of this world, I'm free. No, you've got it all wrong. You are bound you will be bound because sin, uh, uh, wages of sin is death. But you see, when, you, when your life revolves around this book, when you abide in the word of God, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And the liberty and the freedom that the word of God brings, and it's not just in relation to being exposed to the truth, it's in terms of salvation. We use it like that in relation to the gospel and it has an application to that but the the application goes beyond that. You have to abide in the word. That word abide means to continue in and you must continue in the word. Over the course of the years and the longevity of our lives we must abide in the word of God this morning and if we continue to do that then Jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. It will consistently bring freedom. As we walk through this world and as we travel through uh, uh, this world we will constantly experience the freedom that comes from receiving and knowing the word of God. See, we come to church because we want to worship God, we want to love God. But we come to church because we want to hear God's word. Amen? When the, that's why I, I, when, I, when we sit there in church and we're listening to the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when the word of God is being taught, when the word of God is being preached, I know when I hear preaching and, uh, and my mind is locked into it, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm excited. I'm absorbing everything that's coming from the preacher's mouth and I'm feeding from the word of God and at that moment God has chosen through the message to be preached and there's a quickening power that comes through preaching and teaching God's word and as I speak the spirit of God can take the word of the Lord and speak to us even now, amen I pray he, he's doing just that and so we, we, we come for this very reason God speaks through his word how many times in the course of life does God speak to us through his word? I, 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 I couldn't tell you now how many times. But over the years, whether I've picked up my Bible and read it, when I've been at a certain point in my life and I've picked it up and I've read it, and I tell you, I've read certain scriptures over and over and over again and all of a sudden it comes alive. God quickens a, a verse whether we're now reading or if we've got the word of God in us, he'll quicken it to our minds or he'll speak to us through brother or sister or in church through the preaching or in some way the word of God will come to us and the word of God will speak and the word of God changes the landscape of our experience. Can you say amen? The word of God brings liberty. It doesn't matter what we're going through. The word of God brings life. 
The word of God quickens to our mortal bodies and we, are, we have the victory in Christ. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Amen. Our faith and that is being stirred as we hear the word of God, as we believe the word of God, as we speak the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 105, the Bible says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. You know what? The, the, the reality is this. The world is in darkness, church. And when we walk without reading the word and knowing the word, we are lost. But you see, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And see, sometimes uh, uh, the, the darkness wants to encroach upon us. But you see, God's word's a lamp. It just lightens up right before us. Can you say amen? Just enough light. And that we can see. Uh, it's a lamp to our feet so that we know what step to take next what God would have us do. Or it's a light to our path even and it illuminates a course and direction that we can see and say, that's what the Lord would have me do. That's the will of God. I'm going to walk in that. But you see, if you're not reading the word, then all of a sudden you'll, have, you'll be lost. You'll be groping in the dark with no, no, no word from the Lord. See, how can God speak if we don't have an ear to hear this morning? How, and I want you to think about this. We can say that and it just goes over our head. I want you just to think, how can God speak to you when you don't have an ear to hear? See, what can we do this morning? And my answer to this is whatever it takes. What can we do? Let's be honest. There are so many distractions in this life. Is, do you read your Bible as you ought to? Who can read their Bible more? Every one of us can. And I'm not saying we have to meet the certain standard or this is the rule. I'm just saying we all know that we could read it more. But my point is, are you reading your Bible at all? You don't have to put your hand up. <laughs> you see, because this is a serious question. What's distracting you? What's taking you away from the Word of God? What can you do to prioritise some things in your life. Well, there are a few things I just want to touch on. But sometimes you need to consider what you need to do. And so Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. In other words, if something is taking you away and diverting you from what's most important then if, and it has a hold on your life, then the best thing you can do is ruthlessly just deal with it. You know, that's, uh, there's that, um, what's that movie with, uh, uh, with Kirk Cameron? Fireproof, yeah. And, he, you know, he has that problem with there with his marriage and his issue of pornography and he gets his computer and he, you know, he gets a baseball bat and he starts bashing it up, you know, and beating it. And the neighbour's looking at him and go, this guy's weird. But, you know, God looks at it and says, that's the best thing you ever did. Oh, but, you know, couldn't he balance the two? It's not, it's not about that. You're missing it. He did what he had to do to get it right. To, and that ruthless act was, was a saving grace in his life. And what I'm saying to you and I is sometimes you have to be ruthless in your approach to things. You know, when I first got saved, there was certain music I just couldn't listen to because it stirred too much emotion. It stirred too much thoughts in my mind. And so what I did is I got my music, I threw it out. Now I hear my kids listening to it. 
I say, I threw that out when I got saved. I got rid of it. Now, and I want you to think about this. Now, I know it doesn't have the same hold on their lives as it had on mine, and so th- there's relative aspects to this. But you've got to judge what's right and what's wrong at the end of the day. And so, what goes into your mind will come out in your life. Uh, if you're not feeding on the Word of God, then nothing, it won't come out in your life. It's that simple. You see, be ruthless. We can become so philosophical. Well, you know, I'll just deal with this and handle it this way and, you know, we'll work itself out. And then you trip up again, you fail again, you don't do as you ought to and you go, oh, what's going on? Just be ruthless. Don't be philosophical. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 16, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Don't be self-confident. Oh, well, I can handle this. Can you? You're a candidate for deception and you will fall. Mark my words. How do I know that? Because I know what the Bible says. You see, the fool rages and is self-confident. When are we going to get to the point where we're going to say, enough's enough? And maybe it might need to get the computer and beat it with a, with a baseball bat. Oh, but a computer has many functions. It's useful. I know, it is. Maybe you can get one later. But whatever it takes now, that's what you have to act upon. Because you've got to get your priorities right. It has to be done now. You have to do whatever is necessary. Get rid of those distractions. You know, I, I have this, because um, Barbara has been ill and not unable to work, I've had to, I've employed a couple of different ladies to help me work. And one lady is coming to work and she's there. And I'm telling you, her phone is beeping every 30 seconds. Beep. Different, different, you know, bleep, 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 bleep. and I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, gosh, what is going on? And you know what it is? It's a Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Hmm. You see? <laughs> and there, I'm thinking, are you going to do any work? <laughs> I mean, this thing's going off crazy. She switches off the notifications because she realised I'm like, hmm. You know, because it was utter distraction, utter distraction, and people's and they're the and the people's lives. I'm telling you, kids sit up on their night in that night, and their lives revolve around Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. I don't know. Maybe there's a new one. I'm missing it. Okay, you don't even know what it is, Pastor Werner. <laughs> don't worry. I understand a few things, and they're so caught up with it. When did you read your Bible last? Hmm, just very busy. Are you busy? I'm sorry. I would say you've got your priorities wrong because there's time. You can sit up for an hour on your phone, actually five hours, and it doesn't even, you don't even flinch because we're talking about distractions. And so you know what? If it means deleting something off your phone so that you're not distracted by it so that you can make get your priorities right, then later maybe you can use the benefits of, of a, a social app for, for whatever reason. God bless you. But you know what? If it's a distraction because it fills your head with the gossip, that's what face, Facebook, oh, it's a great tool to communicate. You bet it is. It's a great tool to know what everyone else is doing. Oh, did you hear in so-and-so the post that they just did? I tell you. And, and so all these things, if we're not careful, they, 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 
they are destructive. And they're, they're a distraction. It is addictive. I don't have it, but I'm sure it does. I mean, I like to check my, my emails and just for general things. I know exactly how it can be. But for those that are caught up in it, you've got to be careful. What about the Bible? Do you have the same affection for the Bible that you have for your... Remember, we, we spoke about treasure. There's this and there's this. Hmm. And so we need to evaluate and examine because if we're giving more time to these worldly things than we give to the Bible, then there's something not right. Something's not right. You see, I, I understand how it works. You know, I, I mean, I, I've, I'll be honest with you, I've seen uh, people sit in church and I'm preaching. You think the preacher doesn't, he's not aware of what's going on? I'm thinking, what is going on? We need to be focused on the word of God, not distracted with the mobile phones. The preacher's preaching and people are on their phones. God help us. That is nasty. It's not right. And really it's reflective of our heart. You know, I have a phone. I put it on silent when I come to church. And, you know, if... if, if um, so if it, you know, you can feel the buzz, you know, because they have vibration as well, you know. So you always know what's going on, don't you? And it's easily just to be distracted. And we have to make sure that we're, we're not in relation to these things. And so the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. See, that's a lost art in this generation, isn't it? Be still. Still? Oh God, don't be still. We've always got to be active, doing something, you know. It's like, just relax, chill out. And so be still and know that I am God. You see, we have lost the art of what it is to have quiet time with the Lord, to be able just to draw away from the distractions of life, to draw away from the demands of, and all those things that are screaming for our attention, from the TV, the latest movie, the latest this, the latest that, forget it all. Put it on the altar and burn it if you have to. But you know what? Make sure that nothing gets in the way of your devotional life, of your quiet time as you come before the Lord to read his word and to pray and to call upon him and build a relationship with God. Build a relationship with God. He's your heavenly father. Get to know him. I know him. Eternal life is knowing God, growing in the knowledge of God. And if we're neglecting these times, then we will bear the consequences of that in our lives because you have rejected knowledge, God says to Israel. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. You see, there used to be a saying, silence is golden. And uh, again, it is just to have that quiet time, just to be able to ponder, to pray, to hear. Sometimes we need to be in that quiet place to hear the word of God. You know, uh, 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 there's that issue with Elijah and he looked for the thunder and you know, there was the thunder and there was the, the earthquake and there was this and that, but the Lord wasn't there, but then a still, small voice. And we have to be able to hear that voice. 
We have to be able to discern. How do I know when the Lord's speaking to me? I, over the years, there are times when I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has spoken to me. God has spoken to me through his word. God has quickened a, spirit, a scripture to my mind and I know it's of the spirit of God because we learn in the longevity of time what the, the, the carnal mind and the, spirit, and the spiritual man and how the spirit of God works and quickens things and sometimes the, the Lord does speak to us. I'm not trying to be over-spiritual here, okay? We can go to extreme there. But again, let's not relegate these things. This is how it works. One man said, how rare it is to find a person quiet enough to hear God speak. How rare it is to find a person quiet enough to hear God speak. Wasn't it in that, in the, as Samuel went to bed and the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel. You see, after the clutter of the day, after the noise and the distractions of life, in that quiet time, God would say, Gary, Gary, brother, sister, he'll call us by name. And it's in that quiet time that you fellowship and talk to God, build a relationship with the Lord. I want to conclude with this little illustration and getting back to the motivating factors behind this was our love for God. It says, uh, it is told of a lady who asked her friend, what is meant by devotional reading of the Bible? Yesterday morning I received a letter from one to whom I have given my heart and devoted my life. I freely confess to you that I have read that letter now five times. Not because I did not understand it at the first reading, nor because I expected to commend myself to the author by frequent reading of his letter. It was not with me a question of duty but simply one of pleasure. I read it because I'm devoted to the one who wrote it. And that is why Job says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And I pray this morning that that would be the words that we speak. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. As we come before you, Lord, and as we take stock, Lord, and evaluate the message this morning, God, let us reflect upon our own lives, God, in light of the message. What is our treasure? Where are our hearts at? We need to ask this, ourselves these questions. We need to evaluate our own lives, and if necessary, we need to act as you would require of us, Lord, to set our priorities right. Do whatever it takes that would take us away from the word of God. And let us, Lord, uh, set our affections upon you. And Lord, let love be the motivating force of all that we do and why we do what we do. Because you loved us. We love you because you first loved us. And when we understand that love, Lord, it provokes in, in us such a, a love that is reciprocated, Lord, to you. And I pray, God, as we would do that, continue to minister, continue to speak, Continue, Lord, to build us up in the word and that we feed upon the solid food of the Bible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.